Welcome back to the St Edward's School podcast, the place where we talk to staff, to pupils and to parents to find out more about life at the school. Now in this episode, we're talking to the senior school physics teacher, Liz Hammond. Liz will tell us when her love for science started, how she got into teaching and how she ended up at St Edward's. But she'll also take us into the science department at St Edward's, where we'll find out how she engages lower school students and what the science club is all about. So come with me now as we speak to the physics teacher at the senior school, Liz Hammond. Liz, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's been a classic busy morning here at St Ed's. So I've had a little bit of a mixed bag. I've had some year 10s in. I have had some year 11s and we've been looking at a fantastic project with the year nines where they are trying to work out how they're going to provide all the energy supplies for a bunch of scientists on a Pacific island. Oh, oh, like you do. I I was doing the same thing this morning myself. (laughs) Yes, of course. But we like to keep it and shake it up a little bit so it's not just too flat and it might have a bit of context and allows a bit of imagination. And I love the way you say it's a busy day, almost like that's an unusual thing. But I imagine that every single day at St Edward's is a busy day. Is that right? Yes, they are, because it's it's always a bit tricky in that, unfortunately, most people and education and students don't necessarily operate on a finite time scale. So you have to make the most of what you can when you can. So there is sometimes a lot of coming and going and thinking on your feet and explaining in corridors on the way to somewhere, because sadly, our science department has not yet invented the time turner. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to be talking about science in this episode. But Liz, what I'd love to know, first of all, is where you went to school yourself and whether your own experience of school life was positive. I went to school in a school in on the edge of southwest London and Surrey. And I went to a fairly standard secondary school with about a thousand pupils in it. Not particularly big, but it was an enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure that it was memorable, but I enjoyed my time there. And what it probably did was it sowed a few seeds of the sorts of things that I was interested in for the future and just got me interested in a couple of ideas which helped me down the scientific route. But if I'm totally honest, I was also slightly led by the fact that my father was a science teacher. So that also engaged me and wanted me to drive towards that. Ah, interesting. Interesting. So was your father a teacher at the school that you were or or a different school? No, he wasn't. He was a teacher at a local school, but not the same one as me. Mostly the biggest problem was that he taught in an all boys school and they weren't going to let me in there, to be honest. So tell me a little bit then about who had the greatest influence on your love of science. It sounds to me like it may have been your father instead of your science teachers, not wanting to take anything away from your science teachers, Um, of course. No, I think what my dad is, he provided the initial bit of inspiration. That was the bit that sort of made me think I'm interested in this. And then I was very lucky in that I did have quite a number of teachers that just interested me and I was intrigued. When Mm. I was thinking about doing this podcast last week, I was thinking through about some of my old teachers and what actually popped into my head was a man called Mr Packwood who was actually a teacher in my junior school and I remember he showed me a demo of a thing called the collapsing can 
And the fact that I can still remember that today, and he probably showed that to me when I was about nine years old, mm. is probably a legacy of the influence that he had. So I think my dad made me want to be interested. And then I was very lucky because I had some teachers that then actually captured my interest and made me want to take it further. So do you ever sort of get your head around the fact, now that you are a teacher yourself, a science teacher yourself, do you, do you ever fully understand and comprehend the responsibility, I guess, that teaching staff have in terms of not just being a negative influence by being a, a bad mm. teacher in any way, but being a positive teacher and being a positive yeah. influence as well? I'll be honest, sometimes it, it frightens me a little bit. The more I teach, the more I realise how much impact and influence you can have on the children that you teach, not necessarily in the ways that you would imagine. So sometimes when you're in the class, you do get a bit in the zone of just thinking about the science, mm -hmm. but actually you do forget that these, these, these pupils, they get to know you. They, they, if you imagine that, that, that there are pupils here, I've been here a relatively short amount of time of only three, four years, mm -hmm. but actually in the time span of a pupil's life, that's, that's quite a lot and quite impactful. So I think sometimes it's easy to forget that we don't just have a significant role in terms of our subject, but actually as human beings and how we conduct ourselves and how they see that we manage ourselves does have a massive impact. And it's a bit scary sometimes. Well, it's a great answer. And the fact that you think it's a bit scary sometimes clearly means that you're taking it seriously. So I take my hat off to you for that. Liz, I'd love to understand a bit more about your journey to St. Edwards after you left school yourself. How did you end up there? I'll be honest, I had quite an interesting journey and I didn't follow quite the same road as many others. So I completed my O-levels, old school, I know, mm. back in the day. And I didn't do as well in all of the subjects as I'd wanted to. I would like to give you a really good reason. The only reason I can give you is I just didn't do enough work. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I didn't realise it. So I took some different A-levels, which then didn't quite work out for me. So what happened was I didn't finish in the sixth form and I didn't get A-levels in the traditional way. So I reached a point where school wasn't being particularly productive. And if I'd stayed, I probably would have ended up with a bit more of a negative relationship with learning and education, which... I don't think anybody wants. So I went off and I worked for a couple of years and discovered how truly awful many jobs are. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I also did was I was a lab technician in a college of education. And while I was there, I did a day release program where I studied for one evening and one evening a week, one day and one evening a week. Mm -hmm. And I also prepared practicals. So I worked and studied in the same place and that enabled me to get a qualification. That meant I could then get on and go to university. At this point, I was determined that I was not going to do a boring subject at university. I wanted to have mm -hmm. something with a little bit more application and day-to-day -day interest. So I discovered mm -hmm. that there was a fantastic degree course in Scotland, in Edinburgh. And so I then embarked upon a studying for a degree in brewing and distilling. Gosh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. So, <laughs> no, you wouldn't, would you? So I went and studied that. And then my world of work was slightly delayed because in discovering the world of brewing and distilling, 
I also discovered the world of sport at university. So I decided that I wasn't going to rush off and worry about careers for a bit, that I wanted to pursue my interest in sport. So I also mm -hmm. did that for a few years. And what that enabled me to do, you need to be ready for this one, to add it to the brewing and distilling, was I then was able to play my sport that was rugby. Mm -hmm. And I got to represent Scotland and go to oh. a World Cup or two. No, you're kidding me. You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. Wow. So uh, um, Okay. So I've, I've got to just very quickly explore that before we get into the heart of this episode. <laughs> How did that feel to be at the World Cup? Genuinely, at the time, it was another day at a rugby field. And when I look back at it now, I stop and go, holy cow, that was, that was a real deal. Mm. But at the time, we were all in the same boat, so we almost took it for granted. So now I look back at it and think, gosh, to be able to say I attended a World Cup or I've played against this nation or represented this, it's like many things. As mm. you get a bit older, you then start to realise that it is quite special. Gosh, well, it certainly is. Okay, let's bring it back. Almost disappointingly, nothing at mm -hmm. all to do with school life, but Rugby World <laughs> Cup does sound fantastic. But tell me a little bit then about science and in particular, how you engage lower school students with science. One of the things that I do is that I run a science club. So because of my timetable and the nature of my teaching, I don't always get to teach the sevens, eights and nines as much as I would like. So I run a science club that takes place once a week where, to be honest, we basically do all of the things that your mum won't let you do in her house because you'll spoil it. Um, we make a lot of mess. We spill a lot of water and... The primary aim, as far as I am concerned at this point, is about fun and engagement. Mm. So what I hope to do is to give them a variety of interesting activities that might just spark that bit of curiosity that makes them want to turn the page, go one step further, find the explanation, and mm. then get directly involved and excited by science. Tell me a bit more about this science club. I'd love to know a little bit more about it. What, what's the aim for the club, for example? OK, so the, the first aim is ultimately about fun and enjoyment, mm. because if you don't enjoy what you are doing, your motivation just isn't going to be there. Mm. So we complete a variety of activities. I've worked in a slightly different way this year because we've had so many people wanting to do it. Mm. I've had to operate it in two batches. However, we usually start off with playing with cornflour and water, which some people will know is called a non-Newtonian fluid, mm -hmm. so that if you try to stir it quickly, it behaves like a solid and won't move. And if you stir it gently or pour it, it behaves more like a liquid and will pour. It also is featured in various Dr. Zeus books in the name of Ublek. Ooh. So our first, it, and, and it, it, is, it is just cornflour and water and hours of fun have been had for this by children for many, many years. Mm. So we start off with cornflour and water because it is non-dangerous. We can have lots of fun. We can add food colouring so they can go home with technicolour hands. And so we do this and we play and we can marvel about it. Mm. Mostly, I do not worry about teaching why 
because what I want the pupils to be able to, to do is to come in and to be curious. So it's about being engaged with what we're doing and them saying, but why, but why, but not necessarily making it formal. So it's about mm. trying to encourage curiosity, enthusiasm and engagement. Mm. So what I then do is we go along a theme so once we've made some oobleck that behaves slightly strangely, we will make some slime, then a version of slime which would be putty. And then from putty, we move to the delightful bouncing custard balls. Bouncing custard balls. Tell me about this. I dine to know. <laughs> They're balls made out of custard that bounce with the magic ingredient of some PVA glue. Mm -hmm. But genuinely, you can make... It's not a long-living bouncy ball. It will run out of life. But to be fair, when it runs out of life, it's just as good because it will bounce and then shatter, which is also <laughs> great fun to do. So bouncing, 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 wonderful. Then all of a sudden everywhere is just full of small bits of bouncing custard ball instead. So I take it along a theme like that and it builds and it, it will build slightly in complexity. Mm -hmm with the idea that what they will then get better at doing is mixing and stirring and pouring mm -hmm. with the hope that soon we might have more ingredients in the cup than outside the cup. Mm. So the whole idea for me for Science Club is partly about curiosity, but it also builds their manual skills. And I know this is going to make me sound very, very old, but these days we have fewer manual skills. We just need to have very good thumbs to work the phones and the tablets. So anything that enables them to get a bit more involved with a bit of practical and hands-on. And let's face it, they're children. Let's make mm. a mess and let's make a mess in Technicolor. And then all of a sudden it becomes quite interesting. Liz, I was about to ask you whether you feel like all subjects should in embrace the concept of, I think you said, fun, engagement and enjoyment. Uh, but I'd presume that your answer to that would be yes. But do you think that you have a slightly unfair advantage given that you can make science very fun very easily and not wanting to take anything away from algebra for example because actually at school I loved maths and so so I feel okay saying this but surely it is a little bit easier or, or a bit harder I should say if if you're if you're teaching maths to make it just as fun in this kind of way I think it's a double-edged sword but generally yes I do have to admit and I have said to people I have the advantage of I can at least set light to things which <laughs> yeah. if nothing else does does provide a focal point so what I would say is I think my subject does lend itself and it enables you to go there. However, you still have to have the insight and the outlook that you can see what would make it engaging and fun. And on a slightly more day-to-day -day basis, one of the things that is tricky is if you're not careful and you have too much fun, what you mustn't do is sacrifice that for safety. So mm. it's it's a tricky balance between being exciting and engaging, but then I know this doesn't make it sound particularly glam or fabulous, but to actually make sure that when they come in with 10 fingers and thumbs, that we leave them with 10 fingers and thumbs. Yeah. So I think although it's easier to sell your subject, you've then got a little bit of an extra skill in managing it. Mm. But without a shadow of doubt, I have flames and I have colour. Mm -hmm. And on occasion, I can even combine flames and colour. Mm -hmm. So that does give a bit of an advantage. Mm. I have to acknowledge that. That would only be fair. Well, I'm sure that parents probably appreciate the, these kind of responses that you're giving because, you know, increasingly we hear about health and safety and health and safety gone mad. And of course, everybody knows that there's good health and safety in school. 
but you know it's great that you're not sacrificing that that fun engagement and enjoyment that you mentioned at that expense tell me a little bit about what's coming up this term and 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 why you're doing these different things Okay, so what I'm doing this term is we're repeating some of our activities from last term because we've got a new cohort of pupils. There Mm -hmm. were so many. Because it's science, I can't take an unlimited number in the lab and actually make it manageable and safe. So we are, this term, as I've mentioned, we've had a look at Ooblek. We're going to make some slime, some silly putty and some bouncing balls. Mm -hmm. Then we also do what I call pH painting. So we can make an indicator solution with household items. So we make an indicator out of red cabbage Mm -hmm. and it will turn different colours if it's acid or alkali. And then what we do is we soak that into paper. So we make sort of magic painting paper Mm. and then we get bicarbonate, soda, vinegar, lemon juice. And we use those to make pictures and paint on our indicator paper and they will change colour. And sometimes we go for a bit of abstract and splashes and dots. And sometimes we try to draw something tangible. So we Mm. make an indicator make the paper do that. So we do a bit of pretty stuff. Mm-hmm. We will also be doing an activity where we make what, they're like little helicopters and they're like sycamore seeds. Mm-hmm. And we have a lovely big old wooden staircase. So after we've made all of our spinners, quite often there is a challenge. Can you make a spinner that takes the longest to get to the ground? Mm, yeah. There's a bit of scientific engagement with that. I don't necessarily tell them how to do it. But then what we do is we go to the bottom of the big stairs and we can lie on the floor and drop all our spinners down and do a fantastic video as they drop. So it then becomes a little bit more interactive. Mm. So that's just a selection of the activities that we will go for. This term, sadly, we won't be able to do one of our activities because last term what we did is we grew snowflake Christmas decorations for the Christmas tree by growing crystals. And so we then get really nice sort of little sparkly reindeers or snowmen that they've made and the crystals grow around them. So unfortunately, not having many Christmas trees leading up to Easter, I don't think we'll be able to maximise on that activity. (laughs) Liz, I've got a slightly wider question to ask you now outside of Science Club. Mm. I'm I'm just thinking to myself that, that we know that in the past it was mainly boys that were choosing to do science instead of girls. And I'm thinking about you know, after year seven, eight and nine, when children are choosing their, their GCSE options. But we often hear in the media today, of course, when girls are heralded for doing something, you know, incredible in science and rightly so. But do you think that things have balanced out yet? You know, in 2022, like we are now, is there just as much enthusiasm for, for science from girls as there is boys? Yes, I do. And I think that certainly in schools and in our school, you don't see a massive disparity in the number of girls and boys in studying science. Having said that, I do think that out there in the wider world, we haven't quite changed all the minds yet. Mm. I think there are still challenges with girls working within science, even if it's just the fact that it tends to be perceived as quite a blokey or man job because we tend to fixate on certain aspects of it. Mm. Um, So I don't think that the race is fully run, but I do think that we're making good progress. And what is nice is that you do have a good balance of boys and girls. Mm. It's not always exactly the same number, but I don't think that girls are put off from taking science as they may have been a number of years back. 
Well, it's encouraging to hear that it's a problem that is definitely on the way out in that case. So, uh, and as a father with two daughters, I, I very much applaud that. So that's great. Liz, we need to bring this episode to a close in a moment, sadly, because it's been great fun talking to you. But if anyone's heard anything and wanted to find out more about science at St. Edward's, what's the best way they should do that? Realistically, the best way is that we are all available very easily via email if it's about teachers and interests. But mostly, if it's about pupils, there's only one way. Come and visit us, come and see us, come and see what we do. And more importantly, if there's something that you think, do you know what, I'd love to know about that or I'd love to do a project on that, we're listening, we want to know because actually... To me, the whole point of Science Club isn't about me or what I want to do. It's about providing an environment that is engaging, that is safe, which enables children to be curious. I don't have to worry about children at home. And I appreciate that the but why question might wear a bit thin as a science teacher, but why has got to be the best question you could ever have. So the more we can engage with that, so... As a science department, we want input, we want to work with you, and we want to give you the opportunities to discover what makes you interested and excited in science. Well, it's all encouraging to hear. And Liz, thank you very much for your time. And I I just wish that your old teacher, Mr. Packwood, could hear the the work that you're doing, not just the work yourself, but the, the effect that you're having on children further down the scale. So thank you very much for your time. And thank you for being here. That's very kind. No problem. Thank you. So that was senior school physics teacher Liz Hammond telling us all about her journey to becoming a science teacher and what science is like for students at St Edwards. Thank you, Liz, for joining us on this episode of the podcast. It's really good hearing from you. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.